Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi there, this is Cindy Gern. I'm your host of the STEM program uh, that we're doing today. Uh, it is part of our overall STEM uh, programs that we've launched in uh, 2019, I thought 1919, uh, 2019. And uh, it's going to be mostly, uh, our programs are going to mostly uh, uh, emphasize STEM uh, in the workplace and STEM in our lives. Uh, but uh, for me, since I'm not a STEM person, uh, we've we've selected a separate type of program. STEM, you know, the STEM and A and STEM, the artistic, the uh, the liberal arts, the generalist. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the the guests if, if they have any STEM, have they had to use any STEM in their work? But for now, it's uh, it's strictly strictly uh, artistic and liberal arts and everything that uh, that I am and probably a lot of people are out there too. So I can't believe that I have been in D.C. as long as I've been, and I've never met uh, Mary Apigee uh, until uh, I attended a uh, program uh, offered by the uh, Atlantic Monthly on their premier, uh, uh, I don't know what it was called, it was premier something or other, and she was the uh, guest speaker, and I was enthralled. Uh, and uh, and then when I read her book, I was more enthralled. And so I am so happy to have Mary Abijay with us. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Cindy. And oh my gosh, I'm just going to take you home with me because that was the most <laughs> loveliest thing ever for you to say. Um, I really, I'm really excited to be here, and I really appreciate the invitation to to talk okay. to your people. Well, uh, we're happy to have you, and we'll uh, we'll talk about what you do. And and but before we do that, uh, let's talk about the book. Uh, the book is called Managing Up, uh, How to Move Up, Win at Work, and Succeed with Any Type of Boss. And that particularly uh, related to me, or I related to the book, because the part about relating to any type of boss <laughs> was very uh, question, uh, axiomatic, question, questionable. So tell me, Mary, how did you come up with the title, and, and how's the book doing? Well, uh, the book is doing great. It just came out uh, last April, and so it's been a whirlwind of fun and promotions and things like that, so I'm really excited about it. Um, and I came up with Managing Up because I've been working, um, and also I've been a consultant, an organizational and talent development consultant. I have a little company here in D.C. for about 15 years. And in that time, I've worked with a lot of teams. I've worked with a lot of leaders. I've worked with a lot of individuals uh, helping people create success in the workplace. And one thing that has always struck me is that we spend a whole lot of time in America talking about leadership. Leadership, leadership, leadership. But the truth is that most of us spend just as much time in one sense following as we do leading. In fact, we spend more time following. And I've always been struck by the um, 
the miscommunication, if you will, or the misrelationship between leaders and their staff. So I thought, instead of teaching all these people how to manage down, which quite frankly doesn't work very well because there's so many bad bosses in the world, let me help people learn how to deal with their kinds of bosses. And I will say this for... Um, the connection to STEM. Uh, in the STEM world, from my experience of working with organizations and technology, you have some bosses that aren't necessarily people people. So if you can really learn how to deal with those engineer types uh, and those more techie types, it can be very important. So managing up is really about managing the relationship with your boss. But you have a theme, you know, a premise that, that you start with, and yeah. that is what? The premise is you can't change your boss. <laughs> right. All you can do is change who they are. And in America, we love to promote people based on their technical skills. Like, Cindy, you're a great artist. Let's make you head of the art department. Charlie, you're a great salesperson. You're now in charge of sales, you know. Uh-huh. Dennis, you're a great coder. Let's make you in charge of technology. And that's really going to get you a crapshoot, right? Sometimes you're going to have a boss who's really good, but sometimes you're going to have a person elevated into a managerial position that just isn't very good at it, just doesn't have the aptitude. And so if you if that happens for you, uh, I don't want you your career to falter. I want you to try to figure out who that person is, what they need, and how you can manage that relationship so that you can win, they can win, and the organization can win. So in that in that explanation, you left out the role of the manager. How does how does the manager know what he or she is doing wrong or right? Well, see, the, the, and there is the rub, right? <laughs> right? Managers who are open to feedback who really care about what, what what we call their impact, their ability to really engage their employees, they don't probably need too much managing up. Well, it'll be a different kind of managing up. You can actually build good relationships with them and tell them what you need from them. And the truth is managers do are the ones that should adapt to their employees. Like as a leader, I should look at each one of my employees and figure out what really works best for them and try to adapt to them a little bit. But most managers don't do that. Mm-hmm. So as I say in the book, so we can get, in, we can say, you know, my manager should, my manager needs to, she should do more of this, he should do more of that. And yeah, we're right. You're right. They should. But what if they don't? You don't want to just fold up your cards and go home, right? Um, you need to figure out how to make that work for you and for them. And for them. Okay, then uh, I, I'm thinking of lots of stories from my background. Uh, one, uh, one uh, I took the, uh, the uh, management test down by uh, the consulting firm in North Carolina. Uh, what is it called? Uh, I forget. Center for Creative Leadership. Yeah, Center yeah. for Creative Leadership. And they had to do, everybody in my team had to do an evaluation. Yep. 360. And, uh, and, uh, and when we got down there, uh, two things. One, I saw somebody I knew from uh, the organization I worked with, and he was on a break, and he was so distressed. And he said that in, in his group, half of the people were crying, and they wished that they could, could quit because they had such uh, negative bosses. And in my situation, they sat around, they gave you know, back the 360, and I, I got surprisingly good results from everybody except my boss. And it was zero, 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 zero. Interesting. So you were doing a good job managing down, but not necessarily managing but, up. <laughs> I, but I, so after I got back and I really thought about it and thought hard, I confronted him. Mm-hmm. And I said, how come, I mean, zero, 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 I mean, it's like I don't have any personality. It's one thing being bad. It's yeah. another thing not being anything. He said, I didn't give you a zero, zero, zero. You know, I gave you excellence. He he managed, he, he, he 
mis- misread the instructions. You misread the thing. That's hilarious. Right. Yeah. So my question to you is, in both those situations, how would you have handled it if, if you were an employee? Uh, if I was you, if I was one if of you were me, but if, if you were an employee. You. So if I was you, if I was someone that was being raided, right? Um, I would have done first of all, I would have done exactly what you did with your manager. I would have gone into a conversation and and asked like. Thank you so much for the evaluation and the feedback. Um, I would love to dig in a little bit more. What What are some things I could do more of? What are some things I could do less of? Or what are some things I could do differently to be more successful with you in this organization? And then I would shut up and listen to what that person has to say. And I wouldn't like counterpoint. I mean, you, he didn't have anything to say because he just was. He did I know zero zero. And zero. Then the other thing, if I got some marks, uh, if I got some marks, uh, I would look also very closely if I was the manager at what my scores came from my people. And I would look to see what the themes were. And you have to be very careful with that, depending on what kind of relationship you have with them. Because what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to have a conversation with my team and say the same thing to them. So thank you for the feedback. What are some things I could do more of, less of, or differently to be a better manager to you? And when you do that, you have to be also very careful that the team doesn't feel um, threatened or feel uh, that, that you're like, you know what I mean? Like you are having any kind of retribution. So you've got to you've got to go in that really honestly uh, and find a way to actually dig into that feedback and see what you can do more of. Or I might say to my team, hey, this is my results. I hear you guys think I need to be a little more communicative. So I'm going to try these things. <laughs> yeah. We try these things. Well, let me know mm-hmm. if these are things that are working in yeah. six months. So I would I, I take feedback very seriously. It's a gift. It's Even a gift. when it's wrong and stupid. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's also a, a gift to know when you've made a mistake. Yes, indeed. And to accept that and, and go forward. And, and my boss accepted the fact. He said, I did what? Yeah. So I didn't wasn't suicidal after that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with your book, uh, Up, Managing Up, you, you have a, a lot of examples. You go from, let's see, how many chapters are there? Uh, 22 chapters, and you end up with bonus tips, 50 ways to manage your manager. Um, can you give us some of the highlights of, yeah. of the chapters? So, um, so what the book, how the book, the first of all, the book is really practical and very pragmatic. It's not like fluffy or air. It's based on, you know, 15 years of my work, countless interviews, thousands, talking to thousands of people over the years about how they deal deal with that. And I take it from the perspective that you can't change your boss. All you can change is how you interact with them. And when you have a boss, be a great boss, a good boss, a terrible boss, a difficult boss, you can, you have a couple of choices. I want people to stay in choice. You can either choose to accept who they are and manage up, right? You can, uh, uh, you can choose to uh, either uh, accept who they are and not Me. do anything <laughs> about it, right? And just like sit there, but be like, choose like, I'm just going to let this happen. Or you can leave. Uh, but what I don't want people to do is to resist who they are and stay in a cloud of bitterness, right? I do want people to stay in choice. And passive, passive aggressive. That's exactly. Because that's are. not going to help you at all. So that's one of the promises. The other thing is I take it from the angle of, 
of let's look at who the boss is as a person, right? So I've taken it because so much of what I see is based on personality and drivers and needs. So who are they? Um, and so I want people to simple three-step sort of process. So where, first of all, what I want you to do is look at who your boss really is. Um, I give a whole bunch of examples. What are their preferences? What are their communication styles? What are their priorities? What do they care about? What's their time orientation? So really take a good look at who they really are. Don't judge them, but really get a good look at who they are. Then you got to take a look at who you are, right? What are your preferences? How do you like to work? What are your priorities? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You got to be honest with yourself. And then you take a look. You say, okay, here's what my boss is like. Here's what I'm like. Here's the difference between us. I can't change her. All I can do is change how I interact with her. Um, And that's where managing up starts. So you want to do that. And so then I just take a whole bunch of different kinds of personalities. I take your introverts, your extroverts. I take some normal personalities. Um, There's some uh, uh, assessments in there like the advancers, the energizers, the harmonizers. So let me me stop and and ask you some some practical examples. Let's say you have a boss that is... Uh, so ambitious that all they worry about is themselves and the people they wor- that work for them have to do what they say and make them look good, even though it may be totally wrong. How- all right. So are you talking about a narcissist? Um, I guess I am. All yes. right, so that sounds like a narcissist to me. Well, okay. Okay. So um, well, somebody that's ambitious. And- well, but see, that's we we have to pull those apart. Let's, we, so I pull them apart in the book, and nobody's ever just one thing, right? So um, nobody's ever just one thing. So you want to like really figure out who they are. So let's talk about the narcissist first. Okay. So when you work for a nar- so. When you work, so managing up is not about sucking up, all right? It's not about kissing butt. It's not about any of that stuff. Hear that, hear that, people? It's not about sucking up. Uh, It's about managing the relationship. The only caveat to that is if you're working for a narcissist. Because hmm. if you are working for a narcissist, and depending on how extremely narcissist they are, there is going to be a little bit of, uh, there is going to be a little bit of butt kissing. Because people who are sycophants, survive narcissists. Narcissists do need to be flattered and their egos need to be attended to. So if you're working for a narcissist, the other thing you want to realize is you have to assess, is it worth it? Narcissists tend to be very successful. They rise to the top of organizations. They rise to the top of um, society, to the top of your political structures, if you will. Um, And so you can learn a lot by working for a narcissist, and it can actually really further your career. But if you choose to work for a narcissist, then you also know that it's going to impact your um, your professional image, right? Because people that succeed with narcissists are often thought of as butt kissers, right? And your values too. And your values. And you're going to become part of the problem. The other thing is narcissists often survive by, they raise themselves up by lowering you. So your self-esteem might take a hit. So I would recommend if you work for a narcissist, go in there clear-eyed. I don't recommend staying there for long, but if you're going to do it, protect yourself, get what you can out of it, do what you can for the organization, get some experience and then get out. That's very interesting, yeah. very interesting advice, because I know in, in this administration, for example, there are people who have gotten out, who've gotten out. 
And there yeah. are people that have stayed in, and they, some of them are good and some of them yeah. questionable. But yeah. they, I'm wondering if they read your book and they said, I want to stay in for a while. I should send a couple of copies to, you uh, should to send, the White House. You should yeah. send. But someone who's just ambitious, let's say a workaholic, for example, right? Uh, we have a lot of those in D.C. Uh, so if you're working for a workaholic, a couple of things that you need to do is, first of all, you have to realize that you have to you have to separate um, their their requests and your boundaries, all right? So um, you want to be very clear about what your work boundaries are, you know, meaning the time you're willing to put in. Are you willing to work weekends? Are you not willing to weekends? Are you are you leaving at 5 o'clock or are you going to go be on, work until 11? you got to be really clear about your boundaries. I don't, I don't suggest that you're clear about, like, you know, well, I don't work past 5 o'clock. Like, <laughs> no attitude. You, the other thing is you need to know if you're going to be working for a workaholic. If you don't know that during the interview, you haven't been paying attention. Um, like, if you're going to go into professional services – consulting, accounting, you better bet your butt that you're going to be working more than nine to five, right? So know that going in. The other thing you want to be clear about is what their requests really mean. So is your boss, when they're emailing you at eight o'clock at night or midnight or on the weekends, do they really mean for you to answer now? Or are they just simply unloading as they're cleaning off their desk, right? So that's the one thing. Be really clear about that. The second thing I'd recommend for workaholics, those people who are super ambitious, is that you have to bring your A game every single day to work. Your A game. Output, output, output. Do not think it's any day is slacking. You've got to show you are working all the time. You also want to keep that boss really apprised of all of your accomplishments. Don't assume your workaholic boss, your ambitious boss knows what you're doing. You've got to keep reminding them so they are going to be like, oh my God, yes, Cindy's Cindy's a producer. Cindy's a producer. So making sure that you know that. And finally, my last tip for, uh, that I'll do it right now for the workaholic is just know that if I have two employees and one of them works a little bit more than the other or answers my emails on weekends once or twice more than the other, I'm loving that employee just a little bit more. The workaholic will always love you more if you put in the extra effort. So how many fact of life. <laughs> and folks, that's the story of a workaholic. Dude. Yeah. So and I am uh, a workaholic. My team knows that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, so am I. But I I'm, I don't expect them to answer. Right. But you may email on the weekend. You don't even think about yeah, it. You'll just, even say like, "Don't answer. I'm just don't answer." Off my desk. Yeah. I mean, but don't you secretly love it when they do occasionally? Yeah, yeah I do. See? I do. <laughs> Did you hear that, Charlie? Yeah, I hear that. Secretly hear loves that. it. <laughs> right. um, so that's that's two examples. Yeah. So how where do you find the majority of bosses being not, they're technical people are promoted to bosses bossism from a technical position or from knowledge of technical uh, their technical field? But what do you see in general as the origin of today's bosses? Uh, that's a great question. Well, you know, there's a couple things. So as, well, one thing, uh, a couple things. Let's start with this. The majority of Americans work for what we call small businesses, right? Uh, businesses of less than 500 people. And those kind of businesses don't have like leadership programs, right? They don't. And so they are promoting people based on their technical skills. And so these people get into uh, the management field, and then they really don't know what they're doing. So it really is truly a crapshoot. Um, and I read a survey where something like 75% of managers uh, have had no leadership or management training when they have been offered that position. Uh, so that's one thing we're seeing, and we keep seeing that, that is not going away in America or in the West. And 
as we see the rise of technical fields, um, the STEM fields, uh, and even lawyers, for example, they don't teach you how to be a manager or a leader in technical schools, right? In engineering schools, you don't lead that. So we are seeing kind of a dearth of leadership or, um, or the development, the cultivation, especially in the smaller businesses or in the STEM fields. I mean, you know, look at some of our um, big uh, um uh, tech, tech, technology companies. Look at Uber. They had a huge problem with their culture. Look at all these different organizations that don't have any real leadership around culture and employee engagement. It's a problem. Yeah, and especially it's a problem that they are losing employees, yeah. As, yeah. as many of them yeah. seem to be. And a lot of people don't leave when they need to leave because we're afraid we're not going to get a better job. We're afraid to lose what we've already accomplished there. We've put in six years here. I'm not going to give up those six years, you know. And so we get stuck uh, working uh, for people that we should no longer work for. Something like 75% of Americans say their boss is the most stressful part of their day. 75% of 75%. Yeah. And something like 57% of people say that they uh, are currently working for a mildly or a highly toxic boss. Toxic. A toxic person. So what does a toxic mean? A toxic boss is the kind of boss that really uh, creates a very hostile workplace. The, to- the toxic boss is the boss that um, it goes beyond being a workaholic. It goes beyond being a narcissist. It, uh, it goes into like the bullies, right? The shouters, the screamers, the tyrants, those people that emotionally abuse you, perhaps physically. We all know with the Me Too, there's a lot of sexual abusers out there. And these toxic work environments are really dangerous for your health. Um, people that work in toxic work environments have like a uh, 70% bigger chance of having a heart attack, a stroke, or other chronic illnesses. It's a really so bad So the toxic scene. manager in the toxic work environment yeah. is different from the narcissist? Yeah. So a narcissist is like the is like the gateway to a toxic mm-hmm. workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when the narcissist goes to the extreme, right, like I'm guessing there are some we know are kind of toxic, but the bullies, those sort of things, like those are toxic workplaces and there is no managing up when you get to that. There's no managing up. No, there's so, managing yourself out. You, and and you have uh, lots of stories. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the uh, a really interesting thing about the toxic workplaces uh, is that it takes people up to 24 months to recover from them. 24 months. And one study shows that people that work uh, in toxic cultures stay there longer than normal cultures. And the reasoning is because uh, their self-esteem gets completely depleted, right? They become emotionally depleted. They actually get like Stockholm syndrome and they don't have the wherewithal to get out. You need to get out if you're working for a toxic organization. Yes, and you have to read this book where you can see some symptoms of that and you'll know whether you are. Yep. Uh, I want to ask her to uh, ask Mary to tell you how you can get the book. But before we do that, uh, I want to ask her about other things. Okay. Um, you have the book. We, we've spent a lot of time on the book because I am so interested in it. But you have a consulting firm. Yep. And but before that, you had a bar. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is logical to me that you start with a bar I and you built a consulting. Uh, before that, I worked for the chairman of the city council here in D.C. Yeah, so yeah. I owned a bar and a restaurant. It was really kind of interesting. Um, and that was It was kind of boring. It was kind of fun. It was kind of boring. It was like the same thing every day. Okay. But I've always been fascinated by human nature. Um, okay. And so that was, you know, then I went from that to consulting. So what kind of a bar was it? Uh, well, the, I had two. So one was a neighborhood bar and grill in Adams Morgan. It was called the Toledo Lounge, for those of you who are over 45. Okay. Uh, you may remember it. And then the nightclub was called Crush. So it was it was an interesting time. My sister was my partner. 
And what is your sister doing now? My sister is a writer. She lives in St. Louis. In St. Louis. Yeah. So, uh, and then you worked for the uh, for the city I worked government. for the chairman of the city council, yep. And that was a beautiful experience. Yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> he had his moments. Uh, he just has his moments yeah. as but well. But I love my consulting business because it's so fun. We do so many different things. So we do a lot of team building. We do leadership development. We do early career development, emerging leader development. Um, we do all those personality profiles. So every day is really different and super fun. And our clients are all over the map. We have uh, large clients like um, Prudential and Dell Computer. And we have like the big government agencies. We have a bunch of banks, some construction companies like Turner and Clark. So it's really fun. I get to meet a lot of really great people. And you do career counseling and career? Uh, we don't. We do a little bit of career counseling, but we do it within organizational context. Okay. So we'll do like 360s um, and things like that for employees and things like that. But we don't do individual career counseling. That's great. And the name of your, your consulting firm is Career Stone Career Group. Stone Group. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we started the company uh, many years ago, and we were going to uh, work with millennials as they were coming into the workplace. We were going to help organizations develop their millennials. 17 so, years ago was the millennials? Yeah. When the millennials first started coming on, like 15 years ago, um, that's when they first, that's when the first millennials were hitting in the workplace. And so we really did a lot of work on the whole millennial scene. Now the millennials are old enough to hire us because, <laughs> you know, the youngest, <laughs> the oldest millennials are now in their 30s. Now you're working. And you're concentrating on the group that's coming. We're going to th start thinking about the Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. You can tell us how they are different. In fact, when I have when our women in technology program starts, we can have a panel. And we wish you would be. I would on, love it. I love. Panel. I love working with the young okay. people. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have a bunch of uh, very interesting program. You've given me some ideas as well. Um, and you are. You already have a sister. I have a sister and two brothers. Two brothers. And where are you in the? I am the middle child. Which is, I've always had to manage up. <laughs> I've had to manage up and manage down. So I've been doing this my entire life. <laughs> and, all, and all of them get along? All of your... Yeah, we all get along. Oh, see. We get again. along now. It was World War Three growing up. <laughs> well, listen, folks. She has survived a family and is a middle child. And she survived workplace abuse herself. And she is uh, a noted author and consults to that. So what what more can you get for credentials than, than that? And want to tell people how they can get the book? Yeah, so the book, Managing Up, How to Win at Work and Succeed with Any Type of Boss, is available at any bookstore, any bookseller you can find. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, uh, all the bookstores, mostly online, I think. is uh, There's some in some of your local bookstores. Kramer was carrying it for a while. Uh, and you can, or you can go to the website, managingupthebook.com, or you can just find me on Twitter, at Mary Abajay, or on LinkedIn, at Mary Abajay, or on Facebook, at Mary Abajay, <laughs> or Instagram, at Mary Abajay. What is Abijay. your name again, Mary? I know, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to make it easy for people. Okay. Um, okay. Well, Mary, what is your name? <laughs> <laughs> at Mary Abajay. <laughs> Mary, I hope you will come back, and I have totally enjoyed this conversation with you, and it's been a lesson, a, a learning experience for me and for, hopefully, people who are listening. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.